All right, well, take out your Bibles this morning and open them up to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We got a number of things we're going to do today that we have not done before, uh, one thing ever. And so that's always fun to do, but it's going to be uh, really, really needed. Uh, I think you're going to like it. I'm giving everybody a chance to get their Bibles to Romans 12. Okay, there's Chad, all right. All right, I tell you what, let's pray, and uh, we'll go ahead and jump into this. Father, we just want to come before you today, and God, we just want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here, and not just be here today, but God, to be a part of what you're doing here at the church. And I pray, God, that you would give wisdom and discernment to all of the members here today, uh, for later on in the service, God, that they can have the ability to hear from you and to know exactly where and how they fit in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, if you're a student of the book of Romans, the one thing that you're going to discover is that up until you get to Romans chapter 12, you're going to see that the Apostle Paul has broken down the information that he is writing to that church. Information, we call that scripture, we know it's the Word of God. Paul is introducing three, or at this point, it's two different aspects of the book of Romans. Paul is talking about the principles of the gospel, and then he starts talking about the problems of the gospel and how it applied to that church being in that city, that large city of Rome. Um, from chapters 12 all the way to the end of the book, which is just 16 chapters, for the next four chapters, Paul lays out the practice of the gospel. And that's the area that I want us to focus on today. All right? Uh, the rest of the book, of course, Romans is probably the most theological book that we have in the New Testament. It is a great, great book. goes very deep. Um, in fact, just to show you just how humans, the, the writers were of the New Testament, you'll read in, in uh, I believe it's Galatians. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. But there was a point in time when Peter was talking about Paul, and Peter literally said in layman's terms, the brother goes so deep, no one can hang with him. And Paul goes as deep as he can go in this book in Romans. And the reason why I think that's kind of a neat story is because I don't know how many times you're sitting and you're listening to something and you're like, okay, I know it means something, but it's just flying right over the head. And it's interesting to me that that's what Paul had to, or excuse me, that's what Peter had to say about Paul. And so... Uh, they struggle, too, with the really deep things. Well, what we're going to look at today is anything but that. We're not going to look at the principles. We're not going to look at the problems associated. I want all of us to look at what it means to practice the gospel. What does that even look like to practice the gospel? Well, the best way I can tell you is through an illustration. If a football team is unified... It does not mean that everyone is playing the same position. It does mean that everyone's going towards the same goal line. If an orchestra 
is harmonious. It is not because they're all playing the same instrument. It's because they're all playing the same song. If a choir is singing in great harmony, it's not because they're singing the same parts. It's because they're adding their part to the same song. It is the goal that produces unity. It's the goal. Unity is not sameness. Everybody's the same. Unity has to do with the same purpose. Well, that's what we're going to look at today. We're not going to look at those theological points. I want us to look at what does the practice of the gospel, what does it look like? And how do we fit in to that? It is at this point we're going to see how every single one of us fits into the local church. This church, every church, everywhere, everybody wants to know, how can I fit in? Where is my place? Uh, what can I do? What, how do? How can I know what do I do in the church? Because God wants more from us than just coming in and filling a pew or a chair and just calling it a day at the church. We are only going to be as successful. We're only going to be able to reach as many people as we can by the amount of those who really see that vision of what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing, and they get involved. About 10%, it usually is the norm, 10% of all churches will represent uh, 90% of the people doing the work. There's just not a lot of people getting in, and I've been. everyone always talks about why is that. Why is it that there can be so many, but so few are tying in? And I really believe that one of the reasons it boils down to, it comes down to the fact that I don't know that everybody necessarily knows, well, how can I play a part? We are so good at comparing ourselves against other people, and we should never do that. We should never do that. That parable of the talents that Jesus gave, um, and we're going to do a, a series coming up on all the parables of Jesus. That's going to be so great. I love the parables, because who doesn't love stories? And in that parable of the talents, Jesus, Jesus is telling everyone that there were three stewards to one, he gave five talents. To one, he gave two talents. And to one, he gave one. And he told them to take their talents and invest and go and build upon it. That parable alone tells us that some people are a five-talent person. Another person is a two-talent. And then another person is a one. And the problem is we tend to, it's our human nature, we think, well... I can't do anything and I can't be effective because I'm not a five-talent guy. Guess what? God doesn't want you to be a five-talent guy. That five-talent guy cannot do the work of what that one-talent person can do. Have you ever thought about the person that introduced some of the greatest evangelists of our time to the Lord and how it just got passed down? I, I, of course, I would ruin it if I even try to come up with the right names, but from Charles Sturgeon, you got Billy Graham, um, the, the greatest, mightiest men um, that has shaken the world because of the gospel and their salvation experience. Charles Spurgeon got saved going to check out shoes. A guy selling shoes. 
ends up leading to Christ, the greatest evangelist of the 19th century that shook England. One guy. A guy selling shoes. You know what? That's a one-talent guy. We cannot look at the numbers and apply a designation of ranking. It's unfair. We can't do that. We're going towards the same goal line. That's what we're working towards. We're going towards the same goal line. It is one thing to read theological points in the Bible. That's not why we read the Bible. But it's one thing to read about the theological points. It's another thing to live out those points that we read. It's another thing to be a, a doer of what we read and find. You know what we're going to do today? Today is about being a doer. That's what the service is going to be centered on today. We need to learn how to practice that area of the gospel. Uh, uh, in Romans chapter 12 through the next three chapters, Paul is telling the Christians at Rome, I want you to know exactly what it means to practice. In Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, it says this. Paul said, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So you keep this one thing in mind right now. God has a will and a purpose for every single one of us in this room. Now we know that. The question is, do you know what your will and your purpose is? Well, that's what we're going to look at. And that's what we're going to answer today. Look at verse 3. He says this. Paul says this. He says, For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. So turn to the person next to you and say, Did you hear that? Get over yourself. Mary, I hope you were talking. That was a great segue. Oh, every day. See, you're just practicing Scripture every day. It says, not to think of yourself more than you ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Now, here's the good part right here. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, individually members one of another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us exercise them accordingly. And then what, what does Paul do? Paul begins to just lay out what are those gifts. And he mentions seven of them. He says, um, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. And when he says prophecy, he's not talking about predicting things in the future. That's what we think about uh, when we hear that word prophecy. That's not the way that the gift of prophecy is used. The gift of prophecy is applied towards those who have the ability to decipher fact from fiction. 
These are people, everything is a black and white world. There is no gray in the middle. And people that have this gift are really wired. They're usually very strong-willed, and they are powerful at proclaiming. Proclaiming. That's what this prophecy gift means. He says, if that's you, he says in verse 7, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation. That's a spiritual gift of encouragement. All right? And then he says, he who gives with liberality, and he who leads, that's administration, with diligence. And then he ends it, and the one who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Paul is literally saying to the church in this chapter, I want you, and I want you, and I want you, and you, and you. I want you all to know how we all fit in. And that's what Paul is saying to this church. He's trying to establish the positions of duties by laying out, you've been given a gift. The moment you came to know Christ, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit empowered you with a spiritual gift. And at some point, we're going to go through those gifts on a Sunday morning service. It's enough for you to know, though, right now, you've been equipped. You've been given something to do. And I think the reason why so many people fail at exercising that gift is because they don't know how. They don't even know what it is. How can I know? Can I know? Yes, you, you can know. You can know. And Paul is telling those believers on that day, I want you to know how you play a part. And your church in Rome is only going to be as effective as your witness. And when he says your witness, he's not talking to the clergy. He's not talking to the deacons. He's talking to the body. He's addressing everybody. Because every single member plays a huge part. I know you know this, but Radabaptist Church is 105 years old. That's a long time. Some of you have been here close to that amount of time. There you go. I wasn't going to call out Vivian, but I guess I just did. Can you imagine, have you ever stopped to think about all the things that you've seen happen here at this church, the 105 years, all the stories. Stop and think for a moment of all the people that you remember. So many of them have gone on the glory. Remember the way things used to look? Remember the way people used to dress? The things people used to do? The people that would greet you at doors when you'd walk in. Sunday school teachers. Youth who are now adults. Remember all the, the, the ministerial staff that has been here throughout the 105. How many of you remember Cal Guy? There's not going to be that many. Cal was a professor at the seminary and he's in glory right now. But he was at this church, I believe, close to 40 years it's <laughs> a long time it's a long time 
A lot of highs, some lows, and think about the amount of people whose lives were transformed here in this church. Not to be embarrassing or anything, but Jay and Laura Shin are here today. Super long time members of Red Baptist Church way back in the day. Mom and dad, huge members uh, of our church. And I didn't even know this until the beginning. I was kind of giving them a hard time. I was talking to Josh, their son, who was little. <clears throat> Thanks for making me feel that. And he was little at the time. I didn't realize Josh got saved here at the church when Brian Duncan gave a concert. I remember that. I didn't know about that. Think about the impact. The reason why Retta has made an indelible mark in the lives of people, other than the fact that they recognize that this church is the body of Christ. It's not an organization. It's not uh, the building. It's not... uh, it's not secularized. It's not an institution. It's the body of Christ. The reason, the reason why Retta has been so effective is because of the, of the vision that Retta has had in trying to reach and wanting to reach as many as possible and to let people know who God is and how much God loves you and how much he wants you to be in a part of what he is doing. And so you see those who get involved and trying to be that arm and that leg or that mouth or that ear to those who come and they're looking. You know, James says, and you'll see this up on the screen, James says in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, he says this, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word... And not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and he has gone away, he has immediately forgotten the kind of person that he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in all that he does." You know what James is saying right there in that passage? He's literally saying, don't be a hearer. We can quote scripture all day long, but if you're not doing it, then what good is it? What good is it? We have two areas, you're going to see it in your bulletin, that I want you to see that I put down two areas that define us here today. It's really simple. It's worship and it is service. That is who we are here at 13201 Rendon Road, Burleson, Texas. We come here and we gather to worship the Lord and to serve others, to serve each other. That's why we're here. You know, when we worship the Lord, we are telling others around us that we believe that there is something much bigger than ourselves in this world. We believe that there is someone out there who's a real difference maker and he promises to see us through the very challenges that we face as long as we will yield ourselves to him. And that's what we're saying to others. We're saying that God is worthy enough for us to come and to give of our time and our energy, um, our tithe, our purpose, 
Everything we have is because of him, and we want to be a part of him because we love him because he first loved us. We worship the Lord because we know he is more real than the people that are sitting next to you on your left and your right. And the day is going to come when we're going to get to see him. You're going to get to see Jesus. And when you see him, you're going to have the ability to be able to say to him, this is what I did for you goes right back to that parable of the talents because the master gave those three stewards those talents he went on a journey and he invested them to do the work and at the end of the journey after a long period of time the master came back to settle up accounts with those three stu- uh, 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 students that were given those talents those three three uh, stewards that he had Two of them invested well. The third one didn't do anything. And we see what the Lord's response is through that parable to the one who didn't do anything. I just really believe that what we lack is really information on, well, what do we do? In your bulletin, you're going to see this insert. I want you to take it out. Take this out. It's a good one. It'd make great bathroom reading if you don't read it this morning, but take it out. All right? This is good. This is real good. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do here this morning. Because it's never been done, and I think it needs to be. Because if we have a meeting and we call a meeting at another designated time, um, not everybody shows up, and so everyone is left out. Uh, Before we talk about this, I want you to see another slide. It is the heart of what we're doing here today. Uh, John Phillips, my favorite theologian, he is so good. I don't know how he can be. He's like Tony Evans of preaching. How can you be that good? It's unfair. John Phillips was talking about the New Testament epistles, the letters that Paul wrote. And when he was writing about those New Testament letters, he was defining out basically the cause and effect of everything that Paul wrote as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is what John Phillips said. He said, It is typical of the teaching of the epistles. Now here we go in your bulletin. That belief is followed by behavior. Doctrine by deeds. Did you catch that? Every single thing that we study, every single thing that we do, everything about us, everything that we learn, everything that we want to apply to our lives should be followed by behavior. We should conform to what we read. There's a reason for it. Uh, everything that we read that might be called a doctrine, oh, that sounds so boring when you hear doctrine. But doctrine is alive if you understand what you're reading. And when you read doctrine, which is a description of what we believe in, why, what does the Bible say? It's followed by deeds. It's words. It's being a doer. It's practicing the gospel by you using the gift that God has given to you to use in your bulletin 
On one side, you're going to see where it says ministry teams, and it has names of some of our members in our church. Here's one thing I want you to do right now. If you have a pen, on the other side, you're going to see name, phone number, and email. I want you to fill that out right now. Go ahead and fill that out, and as you're filling that out, I'm going to talk about this side for just a quick, quick second. I want you to see these ministry teams. These ministry teams are just that. These are those ministry teams. They are composed, uh, comprised of, of people in our church who serve the church using their natural gifts and talents and serving Red Baptist Church and making Red Baptist what we want it to be. The purpose that, uh, or the place that we're going, our vision of what we believe that God is leading us to do is going to be made up of ministry teams. Now that sounds not the most exciting when you get into this stuff, but these ministry teams are the heart of Red Baptist Church. The reason why I'm having you look at this is because some of you are probably looking at maybe some of these ministry teams and you're like, hey, I forgot I'm on that one. Some of you guys are probably thinking, I didn't even know that one exists. Some of you are probably on one of these, and life has changed for you so that you don't feel like maybe you need to be on that ministry team at this moment, but you would like to be on another one. If there are any changes with you in this room and where you fit, if you see your name on here, if you are at a place or at a point in your life when you think God is calling you to do something different, then put your, uh, just a line through your name because I'll have your contact information on the other side and we'll get that duly noted. If you are in this room and you see a ministry team that you would like to be a part of, then you're going to just write your name in on that and providing you put your name and address and phone number on the other side, we're going to know that's you. So if you flip it, oh, oh, and I can't forget this either. This is the most important. We have what's called standing committees. Now, there's four of them. One's appointed by the church council, and then there's three other standing committees. There's the personnel committee, the finance committee, and the properties committee. Why are those not on here? Because those who rotate on those committees will serve up to three years, and then they rotate off. And I didn't want to get that confused with ministry teams because ministry teams, when you're on here, you're on here until the Lord calls you home or you decide you don't want to be on it anymore. You want to try something else. You know what I think it's time for? I think it's time to do an update. I also think it's time that our whole church understands this is how we roll. This is how we do the work of Red Baptist Church. It's not comprised on the 10% doing all the work. It's on the whole body. If you're a member and you're here today at Red Baptist Church, you obviously need to be reminded, oh, yeah, this is what we do because we never talk about it. It's not the most exciting thing to talk about. If you're a visitor at Red Baptist Church and you're sitting here today and you're discovering, well, this is how the church does things. We don't have a board of elders who calls the shots. We don't do that. Red Baptist Church is a church of the people of Red Baptist Church. And we, as one, are going towards that same goal line. If you look on that other side, you're going to see what are those committees, those three committees. 
In the manual that we'll have, that if you ever wanted a copy, you could get one. Each one has paragraphs about that big on every single one. I've condensed it to not even a sentence on some of them, so we can fly through it. A finance committee oversees a church budget and the stewardship. A personnel committee administers to all the staff members. Properties committee coordinates the maintenance, upgrades, and improvements of its facilities, its uh, vehicles, and the property. Those are the three committees. Those are huge committees where we really need great people that love Jesus to be a part of. It's just right there for you to look at. If any of those committees are committees that you would be interested in, all you need to do is put a check by it, and you will get a call at some point, but they're going to all go in a file, a folder. Now, the rest are the ministry teams. Maybe you're passionate about missions. Maybe you have a lot that you can bring to the table, or you want to learn a lot and bring it to the table, how we can get the, the word out to our community, both here, domestic, and international. And that's the missions team. There's the men's ministry team. They coordinate, promote men's events, retreats, and activities. The women's, they coordinate, promote women's meetings, retreats, and activities. The marriage ministry team, they work at doing the same thing. Hospitality. This is the committee that oversees and coordinates the hospitality for church events. Funerals, when we'll provide a meal for those, the family. Um, the need for those that will come up and are in need of something. Hospitality means just that. It's a big service uh, ministry team. There's a greeter slash usher team, basically, these are those who are trained to be at the doors when you come into our church you, because it is so important that we remember what it's like being a visitor. Who likes being a visitor at a new place? Nobody likes that. But it is so important that we, re, we remember we were once visitors ourselves, right? And it's really important to reach out and introduce yourself. Get to know one another. That's what the family of God is supposed to be about. And then the ushers, we know what they do. There's the prayer team. Prayer team's not on this front, but it's been added as of today. I have always wanted to see a strong, effective prayer team, prayer ministry team. We live in the day and age right now where when something super big and important happens and we need prayer, I we are at the day and age now where we can get that information out quickly to those that we know are going to be praying. Listen, when something happens to you and it's big time and it's bad and you need some help or you need some support or you need some encouragement, how awesome would it be to know that in within five minutes of making a phone call, over 100 people would be alerted of that and they can be praying for you. I don't know about you. I think that is the most important, and I do, and that the prayer needs are relevant. It's not something that was put on there two years ago and was never taken off a list. I think we need to upgrade. I think we need to update, and we're going to add a prayer ministry team on here. You're also going to see the security team. That's been added on here, too. We live in a day and age right now where security is a pretty big deal, and we've already done a lot of the security within our daycare and with our children. 
And we also need to upgrade uh, security throughout our church. And if you feel like you bring a lot to the table of being someone that can help with the security, then you're going to just check right next to that, and we're going to get back to you. That's the second one that's been added. And then there is the counting team, overseas receiving, securing, counting of contributions, the check signing team, because we have checks and balances. Not one person can just sign off. Everything's accountable. And then the RCLC team, that's the daycare, works with the director of the daycare to oversee the Reda Christian Learning Center ministry. When Paul was talking to the church at Rome, he literally was talking about these ministry teams and standing committees. Although they didn't exist, but they had their own internal way of doing the work. Now it's 2,000 years later and Jesus hasn't come back yet. He is coming. And this is the protocol. This is who we are. In case you've ever wondered, well, how does Reddit do what Reddit does? You've just now seen it. When you go and you buy a car, 99% of you, when you see that car, it's that first look. You, you see it and you know it. That car could have no engine in it. It could be busted, broken. It's not running. It's, it's just worthless, but it looks good. And that's why you get it. There's that few percent. They want to know how it runs. Show me the inside. I want to see how well it's put together. This right here is the inside of the car. This right here will tell you how it's going to run. This right here will tell you, am I going to get another 10 or 15 miles or 10 or 15 minutes when I get in that car? How far is it going to take me? It's going to take you as far as the people sign up and get in and get wet and get dirty at times and get busy. And the thing is, so many of these you don't hardly meet very much. You don't need to. But when you come together, guess what? You're ready. It's exciting. Because there's the five talent, the two talent, and the one talent made up in all of these committees. But we can't do anything unless we get in the game and play. We can talk about, well, I wonder why Red is not doing this. I wonder why Red can't do that. I haven't seen it. Well, we need a lot more people on the ball team. And that's what we're here for. You know, it's pretty interesting when you look at it this way. When God called you and saved you, the Bible says he gave you a gift. There is something you bring to the table that is huge. That is huge. Other people can't do it. You will never ever in your life see this guy in the choir. The Lord left that off of the description plate when he made Ed Lowe. Not going to happen, and I'm not going to do it. And you should be thankful for that. I think it's important to know what your weaknesses are, and I sure know what mine is. It's not this. But I know what I feel comfortable in doing because that's the way I'm gifted. You're the same way. I think uh, a lot of times churches... I think they mean well, but I think the problem is so many people create, well, we need a teacher for this class. Well, so-and-so over here is very active. They come all the time. Let's, let's ask him and put him in it. Well, if he doesn't have the spiritual gift of teaching, you're going to cause him misery. 
And if he joins, he might join because of guilt. And how long is that going to last before he burns out and then he leaves? We need to play to our strengths. And the strengths are the gifts that God gave you. There are things you love, and there are things you just don't really care a whole lot about. But when everybody comes together, that's how it happens. So what I want you to do this morning, as we transition into this next phase of our worship service here today, is as we move from the things that we know that we can be doing, and we go to the things that we know we need to be doing. I want us to come back to this thing that we call worship. We spend enough time talking about service and what that means for us here at the church. This morning, I'm going to ask right now if the deacons, if they would go ahead and make their way down to the front. We're going to begin uh, the process of getting our hearts ready for taking up of the, of the Lord's Supper. Obviously, you can figure that out. Our purpose here at the church, it is twofold. It is to worship the Lord, and it is to serve uh, the church, serve our body. You can tell from looking at that insert that was in your bulletin, there's a lot of blanks. There's a lot of need. There's a lot of help that we could use in making what we have a very well-oiled machine, so to speak. You'll also see, too, with these lovely young guys you see standing up here, there's a point in time that we're looking at uh, growing our, our deacon body. Uh, that's why the last month we've been putting out information to those uh, from you, asking you to recommend who do you think would make a really good deacon that would serve in our church. And believe me, we've been working through those big time. Uh, we've been asking you to fill out on a card. Interest, anyone interested in serving on the worship committee as we go to call the next worship pastor at our church? And some of you have turned in the names, your names. I would be interested. We are still looking for a couple more. So if you're interested in wanting to serve on the worship search committee, all you need to do is write your name on that card in your insert. Just write it down. I would love to serve on that worship committee and just drop it in the plate. Someone will get back with you. But moving away from the area of service, we now find ourselves back to why the Lord wants us here today, and that's to worship Him. Um, Jesus initiated the Lord's Supper uh, himself, and he did it the very night when he was betrayed. He knew what was about to happen. Yet he did what he did to tell us, to show us, as a means of remembrance, why he was going to do what he was going to do. The best part of all of this, as well as service, we don't have to do anything in God's church. We get to. We, we get to. Does the Lord need us to do what we do in order for Him to move in His kingdom? No. But He uses us to achieve what He wants to do. Doesn't He? That's what He does. We don't have to. We get to. 
And that day's coming when we're going to be up in glory and we get to let the Lord know when he looks at our lives, what did you do to further my church, to get the church out into the community? What did you do? What parts did you play uh, in helping us get to that point? We get to do that. So it, it's an honor. It's, it's a privilege. But it's, it doesn't feel like an honor and a privilege if you're doing something that you were guilted into doing and that's not how you're wired. And we're not here to do that. What I'm here to do this morning, what I want to do with us as a church, I want us to see mechanically this is how we do what we do. And all the things that come together just doesn't come because at the last moment we decided we needed to do something. We have the plan. And what I'm asking you to do this morning before you leave here today, because you'll have plenty of time to think about it here in the next few moments, is to look over those things that you think that you might be interested in and put a check mark and drop that insert in the offering plate when you leave. I've thought a lot about asking you to take it home, pray over it, and bring it back and come back. But well, here's the thing. You don't need to pray over something you've already been told God wants you to do something. You can still take it home, but the problem is most won't remember to bring it back. If you're here this morning and you know, you know, I could do this. You know, this looks interesting. You know, this one right here, this has my name all over it. Check it off, and we'll be more than happy to get back with you on that. Because we're ready to take where we are today at our church and move ready to move and the way we're going to move is when everyone else gets on the team and says we're ready to move too we want to go we want to do this jesus reminded us that in all the things that we do do is because of what he did for us and in the first corinthians chapter 11 paul was talking about the lord's supper and he said this he said, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself. If he does not judge the body rightly, for this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you sleep. Well, Paul was saying to that early church, when you take the Lord's Supper, examine your heart and pray and confess anything you know you need to to him in order to put yourself in a right standing with the Lord because the Lord takes it very serious. And when we partake in this, we're telling him too, we are identifying with you. And Paul was telling those people of that church, make sure you're ready to take it. If you're not ready to take it, don't take it. But he's telling them, examine yourselves and get your heart right. And what better way today than to see why we do what we do here at this church than to also be reminded the reason why we do what we do at this church. And that's because of what Jesus did for us.